Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome to another segment of Broadcasting Politics with your host, Cisco Acosta. And tonight we have a special guest, Reverend, Pastor, whatever you want to call him, Never Trumper, Chris Seller. It's going to be here. It's been a little while since he ha- he has been on my show, but tonight he's back. And he'll be back next week again. Back-to-back appearance for Chris Seller, who has served as pastor at churches in Idaho, California, and Arizona. Chris is currently serving as a chaplain, and since 2010, Chris has been involved in both prison chaplains and hospice. Chris is currently serving as a hospice chaplain and a grief counselor. Chris is a registered Republican, proud constitutional conservative, and a never-Trumper. He's, he'll be, he's running a little late, so when he gets here, we'll get started. We have quite a few topics for discussion that we will have with Chris Seller. Anyway, it's been a very, very interesting week. Um, a very sad week also because we had the, um, the shooting, the school shooting in Denver, Colorado. Okay. And I have to tell you again, the liberal media, the left-wing media, or whatever you want to call it, the fake news media, because we have quite a few terms for them, they were right there ready to start pouncing on gun control. But we had, for the first time, children, kids that basically said, we will not accept your push for gun control. We don't want to be used as guinea pigs for this, for your political agenda. Those very, very proud, we should be very proud of these kids. They definitely showed the left wing and all these gun control mavericks. That's not going to happen. That's not going to be acceptable. Okay. Instead, they should be focusing on the mental health issue that is driving these shooters to do what they're, they're doing, okay? No, but that's not going to be something that will be touched on. Why? Because the pharmaceutical industry is very powerful. So it definitely is something that will prevent the media and the politicians who are taking money from the pharmaceutical industry to invoke the mental issue as a cause for these mass shootings that have been occurring for quite a few years. But of course, the gun is the easy target. Yeah, let's blame the gun. Let's do what we what they did in Venezuela, confiscate. Because security, because, you know, uh, these guns were available. Well, you know what? Ask the Venezuelan people today if the gun confiscation that happened is benefiting them today. Is it helping them? So I'm very, very proud of these children and kids that young adults that really, really showed the left-wing media, the fake media, whatever media you want to call them, that that's not going to work here in Denver, Colorado. But we also have, besides a number of kids that actually rejected these politicians and rejected these left-wing organizations that are for gun control, very proud of Kendrick Castillo and other kids that basically stepped in front and took a bullet for their fellow students. They're heroes, too. So I believe that this incident that happened, I mean, it's sad that it happened, the tragedy that, you know, the the number of individuals, kids that were injured and killed, but something positive came out of this. And that's that we 
are not losing all of our kids to indoctrination by the left-wing media and the left-wing organizations in this country. Okay? So, good evening, 928. How are you? Good evening, Jessica. It's Chris. Chris. So you were running a little bit late. I was going to extend my monologue. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wanted to touch on the incident in, in Denver, Colorado, because <coughs> so many individuals, so many organizations, especially left-wing organizations, were coming out right away and, and tackling the same, same, let's get the guns, let's have gun control. And these kids showed them that they didn't want to be used like they were like the kids in Florida were used, like the kids in, 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 in Virginia, in different parts of the country. So I'm very proud. Those are really true heroes. What do you what's your take on the, the whole situation in Denver? Oh, I think it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's wonderful that those young people uh, stood up that way. But, you know, the culture in Colorado is a lot different than it is in Florida. Um, you know, right. if, it, mm-hmm. if it had taken if it had taken place in northern Florida, it would have been a lot different. And, uh, right. you know, in Colorado, mm-hmm. in Colorado, there's a culture of hunting and fishing. And, you know, um, it, it, a lot of it has to do with where it took place. I mean, the, the shooting in Florida was near Miami, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it was in the east coast, east coast of Miami. Yeah, close to Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I in mean, Brown, in, in a place in, in a in a place like Brown or Dowd uh, Dowd County, you're you're going to have lots of liberals to to choose from. Um, you know, it, it, the shooting in, in in Colorado probably wasn't near Denver either. It was probably in a rural area. It was outside of, I believe, it was outside, like a suburb of of Denver. <laughs> yeah, so you just they're different places. I mean, you just you you know, but I, I'm I'm proud of them. And that's wonderful. It, it'll take just a matter of time before the media finds somebody from a liberal point of view in that area to be their poster child. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, even though the poster child for the incident in Florida, he's totally disappeared. We have not heard. I, I totally forgot his name too. Uh, he he's been, he was on on every cover. He was uh, he would be a uh, special guest in every liberal uh, left wing media. He was making appearances all over. Suddenly, he just totally disappeared from the face of the earth. But anyway, uh, thank you for for that short notice. But uh, I'm always glad to. Um, we have not spoken in a, in a while, but I think a lot of things have happened. Since the last time you were here, one of the things was, and I know we're, we're, we're not going to focus too much on that, but this whole Mueller report that we were um, debating about, uh, and I know in your, on your homepage there were people, it was very intense, a lot of going back and forth in regards to the Mueller report. What's your final verdict in regards to the Mueller report, where, where, where do you stand now? Well, if you remember the last time that we talked, one of the things that I mentioned was that um, I was pretty sure the Mueller report wasn't going to be the end of uh, of the Trump presidency and that the SDNY investigation was mm-hmm. actually a bigger mm-hmm. threat to Donald Trump. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Which that investigation will probably be ongoing until he leaves office, however long that is. Right. Um, as far as as far as everybody else is concerned, from my perspective, um, I've had a chance to really think about this. I just really think that uh, this is this is a, this is red team versus blue team, mm-hmm. red meat. Yep. yep. And you yep. have and you have you know Democrats, you know saying we're going to get. Trump and you have Republicans saying now you have Republicans saying we're going to get the Obama administration and it's just to me it just feels like a, like a game of dodgeball you know only they're adults and they wear suits and they're in Washington D.C. Um, nobody nobody ever goes to jail nobody is ever held accountable um, mm-hmm. and if they are they're they're always lower level individuals 
Right. Um, it's it, they use these th- these things to hype up their base, um, to get them to vote for them in November. And my 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 position right now is I'm just really focused on trying to break up the duopoly in, in Washington because I think both parties are actually the problem. Yeah, and and I've been sending I, I've been sending you things about the Libertarian Party, and uh, you know that's basically, you know, we do we don't really have a two party system here. We have a one party <sighs> system. Yes, that's that, that's yeah. that's the. Uh, that's the uh, and and as much as people may not like uh, to hear that, but that's the truth. <laughs> you know, that's the reality. Yeah. Do you do you know do you know who Shannon Joy is? I've heard of her. Yeah. Yeah, Shannon. Shannon actually is a radio. She's a talk show host in New York, and uh, yeah. she's uh-huh. she's got a big Facebook presence. She calls she calls both the both parties the unibrow party. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think she's I think she's right. I think she's right too. I mean, really basically what you have is you have the right brow and the left brow and uh basically the brows have grown together. And so we don't we don't really have two parties. We have one party and these people act like they hate each other. It's like it's like professional wrestling. It's like WWE. And they <laughs> you know, they pretend like they want to kill each other and then afterwards they walk across the street from the Capitol and they go to the, to the bar across the street and they have drinks together. That is true. And, and I know firsthand that that happens. Chris, as always, we have already a caller on the line. Uh, 314-381, do you have a question for Chris? Well, how are you doing this evening? We're doing well. Are uh, how, how are you? I'm doing fine. You know, I was listening now, I supported and voted for Donald Trump. I'm African-American. Yeah. But I didn't do it for the reasons that you just mentioned. I voted for him because of the issues. The issues along some no, the lines of things that we was concerned of. <clears throat> you know, everything from school choice to border protection, immigration mm-hmm. reform, and so on and so on. And I don't see him as being like these other politicians. I've been watching presidents since Eisenhower, and I've never seen one tackle the things that he's tackling and receive the type of opposition that he's done. The man's doing a good job when you look at the things that he's done. And you know the one thing about him, everything that I heard him say during his campaign, he's addressed or attempted to address. And that just that alone is good enough for me. So uh, that's my feeling. Uh, no, no, fantastic, uh, Chris. You 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 want to respond to three one four? Yeah, sure. I I uh, um, my I have a completely different viewpoint. Obviously, I I just don't think that uh, there's much difference at all. I think that. I think that uh, he's never been an outsider. Um, he spent an awful lot of money on funding D.C. politicians his whole life, and uh, he he does a good job of uh, of talking about things that are important to a lot of folks that are part of the conservative base. But most of those things he just pays lip service to. Um, he he's made so many blunders, so many bad strategic decisions that uh, have actually kept him from accomplishing a lot of the things that he said he wanted to do. And if he was really an outsider, there are a lot of things that he would have, he would have done differently. And and uh, but he's not really willing to to go all the way with it. You know he he's loud, and uh, there's a lot of vibrato there, but there's not a lot of substance. And uh, I think a lot of people get get vibrato and and uh, rhetoric confused with substance and and actual getting things done policy wise. But Chris, but Chris, let me let me let me uh, interject in that. Okay, so so basically, and I know we've had this discussions in the past, but uh, the economy is booming, jobs, a lot of jobs being created. Uh, he's making he's doing his best. To secure the border, but you know he's not getting any help from the from the Democrats. Uh, so I mean, 
some credit. I mean, some things I do. I, I crit, I'm critical of things of him, but I'm also I give him credit where credit is due. Also, wouldn't you uh, agree with that? Well, I mean, you'd have to be specific about what to give him credit for. I mean, I, you know, frankly, um, the the thing with the economy, and this is always the first thing I always hear, the thing with the the economy, economies are cyclical, and uh-huh. it it is it is true that he's he's done some th- he's made some good some good decisions that have uh, that done some positive things in the economy. He's also done some really negative things. You know, tariffs tariffs are really bad. For the economy, um, so he's actually he's actually prevented a lot of economic growth with the tariffs. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. It, if he actually took the tariffs away, it'd be interesting to see what happened with the economy. I think it would. Um, he might actually he might actually exceed three percent, and you know, and reach four percent growth, which would be wonderful. Um, so you know, I so here's the thing: when everything is said and done. Everything that he's accomplished during his presidency, unless something unless something radical happens, everything that he has accomplished can be undone with a stroke of a pen by the next president, because there's no hallmark legislation. You know, Obamacare is fully funded. You know, the only thing the only thing you can really say that he's accomplished that's lasting is that he's appointed some good judges, and that's okay. about it. Well, if I could say something, you may mention about him funding funding D.C. politicians. I was a business person. I was a structural steel erector. I put up office buildings and bridges. And our association did, if we had a concern, we would uh, pick out a person to go to Washington. We would back and fund him and give him his marching orders. That's the way businesses do. They do that type of thing in order to make changes within their industry and I really enjoy his terrorists being in the steel erection business because now we are seeing that a local steel concerns here in this in this country can now compete especially along the lines of plate steel in downstate Illinois Granite City Steel which is owned by United States Steel opened up two plants and in the local newspapers they made mention what leaned them in the direction was the tax reform, and what made them say this is a go was tariffs on steel, especially that coming out of Russia. So that was a good thing for me in my industry. And yeah, you also unfortunately, see, unfortunately, unfortunately, hang on for a second, the, Sarah, the, please. Okay. One, right. one, also, one, one, you look at the real quick. Also, we have Boeing aircraft in St. Louis area that just got $9.2 billion in one contract and also $2.8 in another. But the aluminum that they're using will come from the United States now, being that you have at least three aluminum manufacturing. One is restarting up an old factory, and you have two new startups that will provide aluminum products for these airplanes that Boeing will be using. So we see the improvement. And that's just a few things. Okay. Go, go um, ahead. Chris. So, 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 so talking about, you know, talking about tariffs, uh, I find it fascinating when people talk about tariffs, um, they usually will find one industry and they will cherry pick that one industry and they will say, you know, this is the example of how this works. Um, and the problem is, is that the tariffs, they, they extend to far more than just steel. Uh, the, you know, Donald Trump himself calls himself the tariff man, and he, he tariffs everything. I mean, he, there's all kinds of things that he's tariffed. And as a result of the tariffs, uh, the Congress had to react to the reduction in, 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 in the export of our crops by you know pushing through a farm bill, which you know those subsidies are not conservative at all. Uh, right. That's a that's a bad thing. Whenever the federal government starts starts giving money to to companies so that they don't go out of business, that's always a bad thing. 
I, I know sometimes it may be necessary, but for the most part, it's not necessary. And it's usually the result of bad economic policy. So the, the tariffs are, are, are a net a net negative. You, you may you may say, well, it helped this industry or it helped that industry, but one of the problems with it is the government should never determine when winners or losers. You know, mm-hmm. part of part of being part of being a conservative means that you believe in free markets. You let the market determine who wins and who loses. And so the tariffs, what they've done is they've actually determined, or they've attempted attempted to to determine who's going to win and who's going to lose. Uh, well, Chris, in, in, in addition, in, in addition, when you talk about steel, uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned you mentioned the the fact that there was an issue with competition with the Russians. One of the things Trump did that a lot of people don't realize is that he actually took sanctions off the biggest uh, supplier of steel in Russia, the, the oligarch that was providing steel in Russia, took those sanctions off and allowed him to sell steel in Russia again. This was about six, seven months ago. Um, so it's not it's it's not all what people think it's cracked up to be. And I, I have one more thing I have to say about this. Um, I find it fascinating that people that call themselves conservatives are attaching themselves to tariffs because this is the same this is the same economic strategy that Bernie Sanders pushed, and that he still pushes. Bernie Sanders loves tariffs. He thinks that's well, the way that you that you that you level the level the playing field. Um, and I'm for free market economy. I, I, I completely oppose tariffs. All you have to do is walk into the grocery store, and if you just kept track over the last several months, you've noticed that everything, whether you're at Walmart or whether you're at a Safeway, everything, the prices continue to go up, up, up. It's not so good. Just, it's bad three, for three consumers. One, three, one, four, yeah, this is my last comment to Chris, please, if you don't mind, sir. It's All real right, fast. Ahead. Because Chris, you made a you made a contradict you made a statement about uh, about tariffs and how they hurt, and you say you I'm for fair trade, not free market trade. But here's the point: we can't one week have conversations talking about foreign sweatshop wages being paid to foreign com- uh, countries paying their workers and child labor. There's no way that an American business that's paying middle-class income, and there are some, and not to get into that, and there's some new startups that's paying up to $60,000 a year. So you have to have tariffs to protect your infant market and your also vulnerable market from foreign input. Every country does it that I know of when the time comes for it to be done. But I'm going to let you guys get back to the show. I'm supporting Donald Trump, and you don't, and that's okay. We can agree to disagree. Well, well, 314, just stay on the line for a minute. I just want to say to Chris, first of all, Chris, we as a nation lost a lot of respect during the eight years of Obama. And I think the fact that Donald Trump is doing these things with tariffs is basically getting back that respect from a lot of countries that say, well, you're not going to take advantage of us. You're not going to take us for a fool. And we're going to basically, we're okay with you know, trading with you. But you're not going to take advantage of us. That's how I look at it. That's something that Donald Trump has done good for the country, gain that, get, getting that respect back from, from uh, our so, so-called ally, uh, allies. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, Cisco, the, the, problem, the problem is, you know, I'm all for strength. You know, being, being strong is a, is, a, is a good quality for a world leader, and it's Mm-hmm. It's good for America to project strength. I agree with all that, but I think the problem is is that when you talk about tariffs, the people that pay for tariffs are the American are American citizens, and this is what people a lot of people don't seem to understand the economics of this. So that when when you when you when you impose tariffs in another country, they turn around and they they raise their tariffs, and what happens is all your prices go up. It it, it actually doesn't accomplish anything. In fact, it's it's kind of funny because Trump is negotiating with China right now, and China still hasn't budged, and he keeps threatening more tariffs, and they're not budging. And I tell you what, if you're if you're the president, if you're President Z of of, of China, you yeah. you have no you have no reason to comply with him, because you don't even know if he's going to be the president in in two years. 
No, no, so, no, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're incorrect. The, no, no, no. The, the president of China right now is president for life. He has made himself president for life. Yeah, I, I know that. That's that's my point. My my point is, yeah. if you're the president of China, if you're the president of China, all you got to do is wait out Donald Trump. Whether it's two <laughs> years or whether it's six years, oh, you know, okay. economic ec- economic policy is going to change. It's going to shift back to whatever it was. So this isn't this is not going to work. And what's happening is Americans are are paying for these tariffs. Tariffs are taxes, and they're taxes on the American people. They just, most people just don't realize what they are. What it means is that all of our goods, the cost of our goods, have all gone up, and our wages mm-hmm. haven't gone up enough to 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 to, to offset that cost. So well, you overall, know, uh, you know, I've done jobs for Anheuser-Busch, Chris, and in the specifications of these jobs, the material has to be American-made. They do not allow foreign-made material to go into the projects in the construction on their plants, nowhere, no matter where they are in the United States. And me as a person, I don't mind. I'm down south where food is cheap. Believe me, gasoline just now went to $2 a gallon, uh, $2.30. It was down to like $1.69 back in December. But here's the thing. I don't mind paying a little more. If it's for an American business that's hiring American citizens that's working, that's putting food on the table, paying a home mortgage, putting their children to school, I don't mind paying a little bit more than for that. Because if the price for what's coming in abroad is higher than what the American is making, I'm going to buy from the American every time. Well, I understand, and, it, and that's the that's the argument people make for tariffs. The, the problem is, is that there's there's no way to to demonstrate that that's actually what's taking place. You know, the the creation of jobs and the use of tariffs are actually two different subjects. They're not they're not the same thing. They're not related. I mean, and when you look at manufacturing, manufacturing really hasn't come back. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize this. Manufacturing is never going to come back because the American economy has changed. The, the American economy is no longer an industrialized economy. You know, China is where the United States was 60 years ago, 70 years ago. So they have an industrialized economy, and they, they build things. They make things because that's where they are And as far as their, their development as a nation. The United States is an information-based, service-based, technological-based economy. And uh, we've moved into a different place. And it scares people. And I tell you what's really going to scare people is AI is going to be coming onto the scene here real soon. Mm-hmm. And right. I don't know what I don't know what Americans are going to do then. That's that's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. But the, the reality is our economy is different than China's. And uh, and what what you what you have is people like Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders that they, they're talking to auto auto work people that used to make cars and people that used to make. Uh, widgets or whatever else it was that they made, and they speak to them and they say, we're going to bring your jobs back. Well, what needs to happen is these people need to be retrained to do different jobs because those manufacturing jobs aren't coming back. India and China and Mexico are always going to be cheaper than than the United States is. And, you know, the reality is we we, we don't want it to be, we don't want it to be um, cheaper to, to be made in the United States because We'd have to go back to having our own sweatshops. You know, well, we'd have to go back to. You know, another me, thing too. I've got a list of over sixty-two companies in manufacturing that has opened up since Trump has came into office. About six of them is automobile plants, from Toyota, Mazda, in Alabama that hired four four thousand Mercedes Benz in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have. You have uh, General Motors just announced, uh, Ford just announced they're going to forego building in Mexico and do so in the United in the United States. You have Chinese tire company opening up in Nashville, Tennessee, hiring eight hundred I mean eighteen hundred 
workers start them off about 55000 a year, Bombardier and Airbus Mobile in Alabama. So there are a lot of manufacturing jobs that's opening up here in the United States. Even well, Hey, wait a minute. You know nothing. Even textiles are coming back in North Carolina due to IT in the way they are utilizing, whereas their efficiency is just as high or higher than what's going on in Taiwan and some other aging companies, uh, countries where they have taken over, had took over textiles. Well, let me, yeah, let me, I, 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 I've traveled to China and to Taiwan, you know, and I've seen how China works and I, my son speaks uh, Mandarin. So, and one of the things, China doesn't really create anything. They copy everything. Okay. They met, that's how they, they, they have grown. And China also has a very inflated economy. I mean, especially when it comes to real estate. So I believe that China gets a lot of press, but the real China, not too many people really know what real China, real China economy is all about. Because it's not, you know, they, they depend more on us than we actually depend on them in regards to uh, the economy. That's my point. Go ahead, Chris. No, I'm 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 fine. I think we've I think we've we've done a good job of covering the subject. Well, I will. Um, one more thing in regards to the economy, I wanted to touch on, and is uh, since Donald Trump has come in, there's close to a million jobs have been created, and good jobs. So, what do you have? You know, what's your take on that? I mean, you know, people, the, the economy was not booming, creating jobs like, like, like it is now when Obama was there. So, what do you have to say about that? Well, my like I like I said just from the outset, I my personal perspective is that um, economies are cyclical, especially right. a, an economy economy like the United States. Uh, you know. When uh, I'm no fan of, of of the Obama administration, so please don't misunderstand me. But you know, when they when they came into when Obama came into office, the economy was you know it was uh, well it was it was on life support uh, mm-hmm. because of what had taken place with the real estate with the real estate bubble that had burst. <laughs> um, some of the some of the gains in the economy are just because the economy recovered. Uh, and it was going to it was going to it was going to improve for whoever the president was, and I think that you know I think that's a that's a lot of it. And and like I like I said earlier, I think that I think if you had a real free market uh, capitalist that was uh, that was leading the, the the United States, I think that the economy would really really soar. I think it would be way better than it is right now. Um, instead well, you of having know, a, you have a, to. A, a, Instead of having a protectionist in the White House, I, you know that 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 protectionism has really um, sort of stifled some of the some of the growth that we could have experienced. But you know the economy moves in cycles, and one of the things that a lot of people don't want to seem to acknowledge is that we're on schedule for a major downturn. You know we're going to have a recession soon. There's going to be a correction in the stock market, a big one. And, uh, and you know, and, and what I what I think is funny is the same people that, that try to tell me that Donald Trump's responsible for the economy doing well, as soon as when the economy crashes and there's a correction, they're going to tell me that it's not his fault, which I think yeah. is funny because I actually I, I actually think both are true. I I I I don't think that he deserves all the credit for the economy. I don't think I don't think he deserves all the credit for the correction that's going to come either. But right. you're going to have people, people that were saying it was all because of him that the economy turned around. And when the correction takes place, they're going to say, well, it's not his fault. Mark my words, Cisco. They'll blame the Democrats. They'll say it was the Democrats. Did <laughs> but, 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 yeah, but, Chris, you know, you can't say, Chris, you can't say that when you go from a 35 percent business income tax down to 21 percent, you can't say that that 30 percent is not helping you can't say that. and then when you have businesses that's able to expense their investments in one year rather than where it used to be where it was drawn out over several years you know if i was to go out and buy a new crane i can write that crane off against my 
gross income on my business rather than expanding it out into the future. So those things help quite a bit. Corporate corporate tax cuts were good for the economy. I'm not going to argue against that. There, that's classic. That's classic conservatism. You know, lowering taxes. It's always good for the economy. So I'm not going to complain right. about that at all. All right. We're going to move on to the next topic. Uh, and I think it's one of your favorite topics. Donald Trump and Planned Parenthood. Um, why? Because I see that you're constantly bashing uh, Donald Trump in regards to Planned Parenthood. Make your point. Well, it's not just Donald Trump, and and this is what people need to understand. It's actually the GOP. Um, most uh-huh. people don't understand this, but every Republican president going all the way back to Nixon and every Congress going back to Nixon has voted for and approved the funding of Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And And I hear a lot of people talking about how pro-life – uh, the president and the GOP are, but the reality is they're not. They're not a pro-life party because if they were, they would defund Planned Parenthood. You know, the the GOP had control of both chambers, and they've had the presidency now for for almost four years, mm-hmm. and um, we still have the full funding of Planned Parenthood. And every once in a while, you'll see a you'll see an article from LifeSite News or from uh, from someplace like that that says, you know, the Trump administration uh, slashed this or uh, Trump signed this bill to allow states, you know, to choose mm-hmm. whether or not they're going to fund Planned Parenthood, things like that. Those things are good, but the reality is they haven't changed the funding of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is still fully funded. I know I know that uh, in Texas <clears throat> right now there's a fight to actually uh, completely defund Planned Parenthood in Texas. I, right. And I understand this is a multi-level, multi-faceted issue, but here's the truth, and this is what most Republicans don't want to acknowledge. The GOP loves, loves abortion. And the reason why is because as long as abortion exists, they can count on pro-life votes, and they can, they can, plan on, they can count on money coming from pro-life voters to support their campaigns. The, the, the abortion... The abortion lobby is the golden goose, and the GOP has absolutely no incentive whatsoever to ever end abortion, because if they ever ended it, they wouldn't receive that funding, and they wouldn't have that block of votes guaranteed for them anymore. And okay. so it's, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the okay. greatest scams perpetrated on the American people. You know, we're, we're not ever going to get rid of abortion because the GOP has no incentive to do it. And Donald Trump does some things that look very pro-life, but the reality is, if he was really pro-life, as pro-life as people say he is, he would refuse to sign CRs and funding bills that fund Planned Parenthood. I'm looking for a president that will do that. And until I find a president that will do that, I'm not going to be satisfied. But Chris, Chris, let me me put it this way. Congress is the one in charge of, of, of basically the money. Correct? They're the ones that they do handle, have. They have the power of the purse. They have the power of the purse. Planned Parenthood receives about forty percent of funds <laughs> from government. From government receives more than five hundred million dollars in combined state and federal government funds. Most of it is through Medicaid reimbursement, Title X, from the Health Human Services. So I blame, I blame Congress. And you said that Congress was controlled by the Republicans. Yeah, but there's a lot of Republicans that are really true. They're not conservative. They're basically what we call them rhinos. And well, absolutely. yeah, but, yeah, but Cisco, both, Cisco, you're yeah. right. You're right. But the but the thing is, is that if you and I were honest, if we sat down and we tried to, you know, out of the, out of the 535 members of Congress, if we tried to name, you know, all the conservatives, we would have a hard time coming up with 20 names. Well, let, let me ask this: Why is there a Planned Parenthood International? Why are the Congress concerned about killing babies in other countries? And I understand that Donald Trump did cut the funding out to Planned Parenthood International. Mm-hmm. Well, that was that was Mexico. He 
he cut the funding no, for Africa Planned Parenthood in, in, in Mexico. And that's good. Yeah. Those, are, those, are, those are positive things. There's no question those are positive things. Uh, but there, there are also okay. things that a, any Republican, any Republican president, for the most part, would have done that. So, you know, th- those are. The, but they didn't. But they didn't. They didn't. They, they, who, who else? Well, uh, I think I, I, I think George, I think George W. Bush did the same thing. George Bush did the, the George Bush Jr. But Obama and Hillary used it as a contention to receive funds, aid, if you did not allow. Uh, abortion on demand and some other things, uh, same-sex marriage and so on and so on, which many countries told them to go to hell. Hey, Cisco, I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, so if Trump is if Trump is a, a disruptor and he's an outsider um, and he's really pro-life, why doesn't when, – when they put those bills on his desk that, that fund Planned Parenthood, why doesn't, he, why doesn't he say, I won't sign this until you take Planned Parenthood funding out of this bill? I, I think there's a lot of pressure put on the president in, when it comes to that, uh, when it comes to signing these bills. And, and, and I think them has told that, you know, they, they blackmail him when it comes to, okay, so you want this? Well, you have to give us this. I think that we're, I, I do agree with and that's what I'm critical of, of the president. He should take a, a tough position and again, some of the things I, I I pray he he doesn't do if if he's going to do something do it and not back back away you know and but I think the whole thing the uh, the funding yes he can do he can do you know he he can he he could have done uh, out of order but he he's not doing what he what Obama was doing everything with Obama was executive order he's been very very good when it when it has come to executive order. And another well, thing, Chris, you made you made mention about these these rhinos. I mean, you can just look at Jeff Jeff Sessions. If the time that we wasted with Jeff Sessions had it been used with Barr, a lot of things mm-hmm. would have got along much much faster. Well, I would say I would say when you talk about Sessions, though, <clears throat> I think one of the biggest mistakes that the Trump made was he shouldn't have chosen a, a sitting senator. A Republican senator to be his AG. That was a that was a that was a political mistake, and it ended up being a, a, a major uh, a practical mistake too. Sessions was the wrong person to be the AG, and you know the GOP ended up losing that Senate race to what, Doug Jones or whatever the guy's name was in Alabama. Yeah, Doug Jones. Um, yeah, Doug Jones. You know Alabama. that was a that was a that was a really that was a really poor calculation on the on on Trump's behalf. And those are the kinds of things that he he's done for instance that just demonstrate to, from my perspective demonstrate a real lack of competence and a real lack of understanding. Um sometimes he is the most politically tone deaf person I've ever seen in my life. Well, I think well, the Roger Moore would have Moore would have had a better chance they hadn't came up with that game, the Bill Cosby game that they used on him, tried to do it to Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh just flatly refused to go along with it. Uh, so uh, I agree with you. I wouldn't have chose a session either. Yeah, well, I think right now, which brings us into our next uh, topic, I know you, you want to touch it or not too much with the bar. I think William Barr has demonstrated, especially during his uh, session with with, uh, with Congress in the House Judiciary, that William Barr will not put up with crap from from the uh, from the Democrats. You know, they they said, "Well, can you show us the records?" And, and he said, "Why should I?" That was a perfect line, perfect response. And now they're trying to hold him in contempt. Chris, do you find that William Barr? Who has been in government for so, uh, for such a long time with the highest integrity record? Be someone who would actually follow the law and not just be protecting President Trump. What's your take? On okay, it? before before I answer that question, I need I need to ask you a question. You said that <laughs> that, that, that you said that William Barr was was a man of of incredible integrity. And I want to ask you a question. Was the government right or wrong at Ruby Ridge? 
And Ruby Ridge? I, was I the government that, right or wrong in Ruby Ridge? I think at that, at that time, I think the government was right. You think the government was right to go in there and kill all those women and children at Ruby Ridge? I think the government was right in after individuals that were in Ruby Ridge. Yeah, but who was the lady with the AG at that time? Uh, yeah, but but Barr was actually was a key was a key player at Ruby Ridge. He was but actually, he wasn't in charge. What's the lady's name? He, he was he was John actually had, a key. You know, a, a key leader yeah, at Reno. Ruby Ridge. Reno. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand about Janet Reno, but he was actually he actually carried carried that out. So I I don't know, yeah, you know. It, but but I, he, I'm not. A, but you have to I'm follow. Not, you have to follow he, Janet he Reno. He had to follow orders, uh, Keith. Uh, orders, yeah. Uh, come on, <laughs> give him a give him a give him a, on, Chris. Come on, I you, just you know. I I I don't. I, I'm I'm just telling you, from my perspective. Um, Bill Barr, Bill Barr is Donald Trump's Eric Holder. Um, you know, when 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 Obama was in office, Republicans and conservatives were all over Eric Holder because Eric Holder, at every turn, all he did was protect the Obama administration. That's all he did. And I guess that the world that we live in now, that's what the AG does. I guess the AG at this point they they prosecute the cases that are important to the administration and they protect uh-huh. the administration from investigations. I and, think um, Barr is a lot smarter than Eric Holder. Myself, well, uh, I think I, I think that they're 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 the same thing. They're just I, ideologically they're ideologically opposed. I think that the, you just you just have one as a left wing version and one as a right wing version. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, you look but, at the prosecutors that's not made blunders across the country. You got uh, Kim Gardner in St. Louis. You got Kim Fox in Chicago, <laughs> Cook County. You got another one someplace I can't think up in D.C. New York, I believe it is. So I don't know. But, but Chris, 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 did you read the did you read the four hundred page report? I put it in the oven. You put it in the oven. So, I took them out a long so time ago. Okay, so basically. If you did not read yeah, the report, they're done. The report stated that there was no collusion, that Robert Mueller did not find any collusion with the Trump administration and Donald Trump. I mean, what part does not you know people do not understand? I mean, that's what William Barr was summarizing from the report, his report, Robert Mueller's report, William Barr's report. The way the Democrats have been portrayed. I mean, I just don't. You know, I understand the politics of it. I understand that. I'm not naive in that. But the saying, if you actually read, I, I'm beginning to the Democrats not read. Well, it, it was based on lies anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, well, that's because. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was a, it, the whole thing was a political football, which is what you and I covered that at the very beginning of the show, Cisco. I, I guess, I just, uh, you know, Trump is now invoking executive privilege regarding the the Mueller report. Um, I, I guess, I'm just tired of a government that's not transparent and hides embarrassing facts from the American people. You know, there are obviously things in that report that. That Trump doesn't want to get out because they'd be embarrassing. Um, you know, there are details that he doesn't want to get out. Obviously, the Democrats want that stuff to come out because they want to embarrass the president. Um, I just, am, I'm just tired of both sides. Both sides. Well, are you're just, right. You're right, Chris. But let me ask you something. Where will we be at if it hadn't been for the election of Donald Trump? We would never oh, have a thought this kind of mess. Was I going hate. On. I hate. I, I hate that question. <laughs> it, it, you know, we 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 got we we got what we got, we got what we got, and I I and both choices were bad, and uh, we haven't had we haven't had a good choice for the presidency since the eighties, so you know it it is what it is, it is what it is. Well, I happen to disagree with you on that, Chris, because with Hillary Clinton not today, we would be on the verge of going in the direction Venezuela is going. I think that's hyperbole. That's my perspective. Okay. okay. So, I and it's and it's not that it's not that I you know 
I obviously I didn't want Hillary Clinton to be the president because I didn't vote for her and I didn't campaign for her. Um, I just, uh, you know, what what we have is we have the Democrats who are a socialist party, and we have the Republicans who are a progressive party, and so you have you have socialist light and you have socialist, and uh, we keep heading in the wrong direction. I, you know, I I I want us to I want more freedom. You know, the, the libertarian motto is all of your freedoms all of the time. Yes. Yeah. And I, that's yes. what I want. I want all my freedoms all the time. And, well, I agree uh, with you, know, you on that. Yeah, I'm still. I mean, I'm still a registered Republican, but I, uh, I am absolutely disgusted with what the GOP is. Yeah. Um, so. so we're gonna we're gonna right we're gonna go right into your candidate for 2020, Congressman Justin Amash from the state of Michigan. Uh, well, he has to he has to announce first, Cisco. Well, well, that's your no, no, no. I didn't say he's he's running. I'm saying that he's your favorite candidate. For the presidential run, absolutely, he's the one that you—he's the one who you want to see in the White House in 2020. Let me uh, can you tell us why you feel that Justin is the right person for the White the White House to run this country, and what makes him qualified to run uh, to be president of the United States? Well. The most important thing to me is I want someone that's going to be faithful to the Constitution and someone who's going to defend and protect the liberty of all citizens. And um, Justin Amash, in the last eight years in Congress, has proven time and time again that he makes his decisions based upon principle. Uh, he's the, the, only, the only person in Congress who's, who's been as faithful to the Constitution and been as consistently uh, conservative when it comes to fiscal issues and with defending liberty uh, would be Thomas Massey and uh, and Justin Amash he doesn't he doesn't get caught up in the political games he doesn't he doesn't get involved in the partisan bickering and the partisan politics he's focused on doing his job and that is to defend and protect the Constitution um, he's young he's smart he's articulate mm-hmm. uh, He's a he's a fantastic candidate, and if he chooses to run for for the presidency, uh, I think there is. I mean, obviously the odds would be against him, but I think that there is a chance that he could actually he could actually win. Um, at the and at the very at the very least, he could he could really uh, put a hurtin on the duopoly, and and end this Republican uh, Democrat hold that we have. On our government, because these two parties are poison. They're the ones that are ruining our country. And uh, and Justin Justin would be uh, a breath of fresh air. Uh, as a as a result of that, you know, um, you know, I guess the question now is, is he going to run? And and I don't know well, if he's going to run. I need but, to know uh, what he stands for. What's his issue? Where can we find it yeah, out? That's, that's, if you go, if you do a Google search, and you just uh, just type in uh, Amash on the issues. Uh, you'll 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 find a sheet on on that website called On the Issues, and it has all of his positions and all of his votes on every single issue that that you would be concerned about. And he's no, out of Minnesota. Uh, no, Michigan. I'm sorry, Michigan. Michigan yeah. yeah, he's in the third uh, district of of Michigan. Yeah, but uh, Chris, Chris, and and I'm I'm familiar with. With Justin, um, but the problem is going to be the funding, you know. And and if he runs, I I think I mentioned to you, if he runs in the Libertarian Party, I think he'll he'll get a lot of support and, uh, and a lot of funding. But if he if he runs as a Republican, you can kiss it goodbye. He's not going anywhere. He won't he won't run as a Republican. Uh, okay. He's made it clear. He's made it clear in several interviews that he's had. That if he were to run, he would run as a libertarian. Okay. And then I so, think, so, I the, think... so, so the quest, the question at this point is, is he going to run? And of course, if he's going to run, he's going to have to change parties too. Uh, the interesting thing about that, if he were to, if he were to make the decision to change parties, he would be the first congressman in history to cha- to leave one of the major parties to 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 become a third party candidate. Right. It would be a really big it would be a really big deal 
and he'd get a lot of media exposure. So I just don't know whether or not he's going to do it or not. I think he'll, his, he's going to run for president. The question is, when is he going to run for president? Right. Now, now on the Democratic side, you have 22 candidates, which is going to be a circus. I mean, get your popcorn out, sit back on your, on your recliner, and enjoy the ride next year because it's going to be fun. But one of the things that I think I had mentioned to you in the past was if Mr. Schultz, Howard Schultz, runs as an independent against Donald Trump and, let's say, Joe Biden and Justin gets in, that's going to split the vote. And I think it's going to hurt the Democrats more than it's going to hurt Donald Trump. It will give Donald Trump another four years. Would you agree? Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I think typically the Libertarian candidate tends to take more votes away from the Republican than the Democrat. No, no, but so on the Dem- on the Democrat side, Howard Schultz. You're talking about Howard Schultz. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I, I think I think Schultz would do that. I think that you know I don't think Schultz I don't think Schultz is actually he won't he won't be on the ballot in 2020 when no, he'll run when he as actually he'll run as an independent yeah but that's what I'm saying is is that when he by the time 2020 comes around he's going to realize he's not going to be able to get on enough ballots in enough states to have any chance to win and he'll drop out he's not going to keep throwing good money after bad he's a businessman he's not stupid. Yeah, but I think I think he's determined to, uh, and he has the money to get on all those uh, all, all those states, the required states. I think, um, hey, Ross Perot did it. Why I mean, I think Howard Schultz has a good chance of doing it. Um, well, the the you know what? So after Ross Perot did it, the Republicans and the Democrats changed a lot of voting laws to prevent that from ever happening again. And uh, that's why Justin Amash introduced a piece of legislation to 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 make it easier for third-party candidates to get on ballots um, for that's for national good. elections. And the funny thing is, you know, do you know who do you know who sponsored his legislation? Who's it? Nobody. Not a single person would sponsor his legislation um, because oh. not even Thomas, not even Thomas Massey. Because if they did, if they did, the GOP would have lost their minds. Those both those parties want to remain in power more than anything else. Well, I have to tell you, uh, I have to uh, disagree with you in regards to politicians in Washington that are true conservatives are for the Constitution, and and to me, there's no one above this man, and that's Ted Cruz. Um, I used to, I used, I used to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel, I don't feel so much that way Why? anymore. What has changed? Um, he's, he's, he's made, he's voted for several bills that fundamentally, um, that fundamentally oppose principles that he has taken a stand for in the past. Mm. And um, he's just, he's. It, the, the Trump presidency has really changed Ted Cruz, or either that or revealed who Ted Cruz really was. Um, right. He's he's really scared to oppose the president, and um, it's really too bad because I was a huge Ted Cruz guy. I mean, I just was huge fan of Ted Cruz, and I've been extremely disappointed because he's just not the not the Ted Cruz, not the the lion. The lion is in the animal, not the lion Ted that right. I that I knew before. Uh, he's just a shell of the man that he used to be. Well, so it's I, unfortunate. I, it's uh, unfortunate. I think I think I think. So we have sixty seconds. Uh, just summarize what what you see in for the next year and a half uh, till the election. What do you see uh, the the country, the economy, and Donald Trump? Um, well, I'm not a prophet, so no, no, whatever. Um, I mean, you know, what you, but, you're uh, feeling. Well, I I think that um, that the economy, there's going to be a downturn in the economy, whether it's a year from now or whether it's three years from now, I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
But the economy now you is, are a profit. Is, <laughs> well, <laughs> we, no, no, we only have twenty seconds. Uh, uh, can you speed it up a little? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a cyclical thing. Um, so okay. you know, the economy is 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 definitely going to correct itself. Okay. Um, Fantastic. Beyond beyond that, I don't know. Beyond beyond okay. that, I don't know. Fantastic, Chris. Three one four. It's been a pleasure. We'll see each other next week here. Back with Chris on the air. All right. Have a great weekend. All right. You too. Okay. God bless America.